0: ...leave in the city, that they will work with us on this and get, get a few more things done. We're rolling, so just want to let you know and update on that. After I've reflected on last week's message and got some input from other folks who responded to that, I appreciate that, those who have. Uh, I thought, you know, sometimes a message comes together, not necessarily at the last minute, but often, if you, if, at least for me. But then you look back on it and go, well, maybe there were some holes. Didn't you know? You can, as a pastor, you could drive yourself crazy going back often going, oh, I should have said that in that sermon, so I'll go back and do that. I'll preach another sermon. Now, I'm not talking about that being my consistent. Most of you know it's not consistently how I operate. But last week is one of those. And part of the reason why you have a spoon, if you were not here last week, you will, you know, it'll make sense here in a little bit if it doesn't right now. Uh, to some of you, somebody may have told you, say, hey, this is what we're going to do with this. Yeah, you don't know technically what we're going to do with it, but we'll talk about it, okay? So I'm going to do a couple of things today, but one of the things, just a reminder for them, maybe you weren't here, were not here last week, or you didn't listen to it, is just part of last week was talking about if you're in a situation in life, in a window of time in life where you feel like you're kind of stuck, And often what happens is, and I use this illustration, is that you look down the road, and all you see is more road. There's no exit. There's no rest stop. It just seems like there's more out there in front of you. You don't know how you're ever going to get off of where you are right now. But often what happens is, as believers, we need to realize that in that window of time when we're there, that may be the greatest time for growth in our lives. Most often, as I said last week, and I've said often here, when we're in kind of that wilderness, and I'm going to interchange words today a little bit, wilderness being one of them, when we're in that wilderness time, what we often pray is, Lord, get me out of the wilderness. But what we maybe should be praying is, Lord, what can I get out of the wilderness? What can I get while I'm here? Because one of the things I don't want to do, and I've said this maybe last week, but I said it to somebody the other day, you know, I'm ready for August to be over. I'm ready for 1st of October to be here even. Any amens in the room? Yes. But what I've also realized is, being 63 years old, I don't need to be rushing months away. I don't need to be just tossing them. So I need to figure out how to live where I am right now. So what can I get right now? What am I learning right now? Jeff Mannion says this. in a sermon. I think he preached a book, actually, called The Land in Between. He's talking about Exodus 16. He said, it centers on the season of the Israelites leaving Egypt and not yet in the promised land. They're they're unable to go back but incapable of moving forward. You feel trapped. I have to believe there's other people in there. I have felt that way. I've been there. I have to believe there's more people like that in the room today. So I'm going to read the Scripture again we used last week, Hebrews chapter 10, Hebrews chapter 12. I want to read it again just in case you were not here. That way you will know what we're launching off of. I think it's kind of dangerous to say, hey, you just, just reference that later. I do that sometimes, and I think there are times to do that, but I think with what we're going to say today, you need to know where this is coming from. So we're going to read Hebrews chapter 10, 32 through 39 first. Remember those early days after you had received the light, when you endure, endured a great conflict full of suffering. Sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and persecution. At other times, you stood side by side with those who were, who were so treated. You suffered along with those in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation. You joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you knew that you yourselves had better lasting possessions. And again, that is so important. I'm not going to preach on it, but man, could we. What you just gave up, you just gained something eternal. So That needs to be remembered here when we talk about pruning today, because that's what we're going to talk about. So whatever you're giving up, whatever God asks you to give up, you gain something so much greater. And often you don't know what that is. And often it's not even explained, maybe till you get to heaven, I don't know. Because you knew that yourselves had better lasting possessions. So do not throw away your confidence. So do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. For just a little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. And by my righteousness, one will live by faith. And I take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back. I take no pleasure in the one who who retreats. And literally, the translation there, I take no pleasure in the one who steps back due to compromise. Now, there are times, I think, I want to make sure you understand what I'm saying when I use the word retreat here. There are times when retreating or pausing, of course, makes sense. Shabbat, Sabbath, makes sense. You're pausing. Trusting God with everything else. So times, yes, stopping and retreat. I mean, military, it's time to regroup. It's time to refocus. It's time to get new supplies. It's time to get those things. So don't hear what I'm not saying here. But what he's talking about and what that word means, a retreat, is you're now stepping back. You're going backwards. You're going backwards to a point based on the compromises you've made. That's what that means, do not shrink back. I do not take pleasure in those who shrink back. But we do not belong to those who shrink back. In other words, we don't hang out with people like that. That's not who Renovation Church is. We're part of something greater. We're not going to shrink back. Who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved. Hebrews 12, 4 through 12. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And you have completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as father addresses his son. It says, my son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart. Don't shrink back. He's coming back to that. It's basically the same. Do not lose heart when he rebukes you Because the Lord disciplines the one he loves and he chastens everyone he accepts as his sons and, of course, daughters. Endure hardship as a discipline. God is treating you as his children for what children are not disciplined by their father. If you are not disciplined and everyone goes under discipline, then you are not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. Moreover, we have have all had human fathers who disciplined, disciplined us and we respected them for it. It may take a decade before you respect them for it. You may not do it in the moment, okay? Just wanna make sure we understand that. How much more should we submit to the Father of spirits and live? They disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in His holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. It's for your good. How many, how many parents have you ever said that? Or, it's going to hurt me worse than it's going to hurt you. If you've ever said that, that's probably not fully true. But it's for your good. When you're disciplined, it's really important that you understand because the enemy is going to come and whisper that you understand what you are going through is for your good and for those and it's never just for your good because if it's for your good because you don't live life in a vacuum if it's for your good then it's going to be good for those it's going to be good for those who come in contact with you always it's never just singular in that sense it starts there it has to start there as i shared last week the four stages of steve meeks uh, along the way of, of four stages of, of spiritual growth and your walk. And, and I love that this is the initiation where you're all excited. I'm not gonna spend time on it here, but your alienation, transformation, incarnation. Incarnation is holiness. But alienation and transformation alienation is the season of time where you begin to get a little discouraged and you can be a long ways down the road in your faith and now this step way back in. Okay, not just early on. It can be, you can be way down. All of a sudden, you feel alienated and discouraged. And if you don't properly handle and discern and seek wisdom and walk forward, and we'll talk about that today, there's a very good chance, even like church to church. You may go church to church. You may do a lot of different things inside of that. One of the things, though, you may quit. But one of the big things alienation does for us It exposes our sinful nature. What happens is, and we'll talk about it in just a minute, but what happens is when we're in that window right there is if we don't look internal, we will look external. When we look external, we start blaming, well, you're not the pastor out there. You didn't live up to my expectations. They're just full of hypocrites. When reality is what you're going through is exposing potentially what you're going through, what's in you. So, what I wanted to backfill, that's kind of setting up last week. Okay? So, what I want to do real quick, if I can, is kind of give you three quick things that are three things, not quick, three things that I want to try to talk about today, what I'm trying to backfill, and that is the difference between pruning, discipline, and self discipline. Pruning, which we talked a lot about last week, discipline, which we just read, and self-discipline. And I think what I'm hoping today is is that if you got something out of last week, maybe we give you some tools to walk out this week. And there's a little bit of separation of going, okay, that's what season I'm in, potentially. And again, I am no expert on this, and... Because one of the biggest challenges is discerning what season you're in. As I said last week, is it the devil's scheme? Because the Word talks about the schema or the the blueprint, what he's trying to do. he, He is up to something. The enemy, you know, your enemy prowls around like a roaring lion looking for those to devour. Resist him standing firm in your faith. The enemy is roaming around. He is active. You go to Ephesians 6 and talk about spiritual warfare and putting on the full armor of God. It's real. So is the enemy attacking me? Is it my own sin? And I've capped myself. I've stopped myself because there is something in me God is trying to do. Is it your community or country? As I said last week, sometimes you can be a middle of this season because of because you don't live in a vacuum. Because people around you could be disobedient, could be parents, it could be a spouse. You're living in this season also, and of course, the last one, you're in a pruning season. It's a pruning season. Yeah, we don't know whether to rebuke the enemy or. Repent of sin, or what are we supposed to do here? But man, we need to figure this out. Because the more people I talk to, they're in this window. They're in this wilderness time. I read John fifteen two last week in Jesus' words, basically his last sermon, if you will, but every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does not bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. He prunes that it may bear more fruit. One of the big things about pruning, as I said last week, I have my pruning shears up here. I I do way more of that than I wish I'd had to. But there are different pruning shears, right, for different jobs. This has become my favorite, I said, because, man, you can chop off big stuff with this. And there's some torque behind that. It's become one of my favorites. But one of the things I don't often do, you know, because I want to be delicate and I want to make the plant better, I want it to look better, I want it to be better, I want the tree to be better, is often I don't use this to prune. But sometimes, some of you, who feel like if you're in the pruning season, it's an ax. It's not a smooth, squeezing, cut it off. Now, okay, I've shaped a little better. It just feels like, you know, it just that's what it feels like, right? And so one of the things we, we really want to do in this pruning season is begin to go, okay, Lord, because what happens in pruning is you see a healthy something, a healthy plant often, maybe getting a little shaky, but what happens is it's about to remove something. You need to remove something. One of the things that's the hardest thing about believers is God often, it goes back to what he said earlier, you, you had your property confiscated but you knew you were gaining more. So often we fight the pruning or the removing. And not even out of rebellion. It's just we don't know ourselves without that anymore. That's been in our life so long. If God removes that, then that's kind of been my identity or part of it up to this point. I remember I was, been a Christian at the time about a year and a half, two years, and those who knew me back then, not now as much, but back then, I was an avid softball player, played it way more than I needed to, was a baseball player for a long time, took on softball, played it like I said, way more than I needed to. I was working at Alumax out there at the aluminum mill and like I said, I'd been a Christian about two years, and we were going to the state tournament. And I was the shortstop for our team, and we potentially could win the, the commercial league state tournament that year. We're in a higher division. And the weekend they planned it, I mean, the weekend the tournament was scheduled, our church, our Baptist church there, did a lay renewal weekend. It meant that you had to be there Friday night, Saturday, Sunday morning, Sunday night. And it was an unbelievable conflict in me. One of those was I was letting other people down. And what would they think? You're going to stay for that when we're going to the state tournament. We're going to play I made the decision to do the in the weekend. They didn't win the state tournament. They came in runner-up. Runner of course, I could have pushed them over the edge. I'm sure of that. No doubt. No, but I think it was runner-up, but I remember that so clearly 30 years ago, 34 years ago, that that to me was a pruning, that you had to make God put something in front of me and said, you have to make a decision here. I didn't have to give up softball. I'm not saying he told me to do that, but that weekend, and everybody was gonna know it in the plant, the decision I made. I wasn't trying to make everybody know it, but they had to know it. Fortunately, about four years later, We went to the state tournament, won state championship, because I showed up. No, actually we had a worse team. And I'm not saying God said, hey, see there, remember when you did that, I gave you that. I'm not saying it works that way in God's economy. Don't hear what I'm not saying. What I am saying though is this. There are things along the way that God goes, that doesn't fit anymore. It's not that it was bad or it was ever bad. It just doesn't go with you anymore. Because I see this in you, and that one thing is causing you to grow a little different than, than the best way which will produce the most fruit. So God comes along, and it's a loss. Uh, it could be something familiar. <laughs> it could be a place. It could be a group of people. For some of you, it may be you've got to cut out that group of people even. Some of you, it may be activities, the sports or, or what you're watching. Or No, right now, this is distracting you. It's taking you away from becoming everything I need you to be. I'm pruning it. It's not a sin. It could become one because you're not being obedient, but it's not right now. It just needs to be cut off. That make sense? So that's where God. So to me, the difference between pruning and discipline is the health of the plant. Healthy plants are pruned. Then there's discipline. Use that word, you get a thousand opinions of what discipline is, right? It's just kind of like—is it punishment? Is it just obedience? Because often pruning and discipline look just alike. And part of the reason they look just alike because it hurts. You, don't, you can't tell the difference in the middle of it because it's painful. God is doing something in your life, and for some reason, he's asking you to have the wisdom to know the difference. My purpose and as a father, because Scripture here says your earthly father disciplines you. And because he does, you have respect for him. And I can't speak as an authority on a lot of things. I'm not going to say I'm speaking as authority as a father, but I can speak as a father. I know that. I can speak as a father who's tried to discipline his children. And for instance, some of you, when, when you think of the word discipline, you think more something like this, like, Okay, spoon, when you see the spoon today, you're going, okay, okay, So I'm, you know, that kind of discipline. Because for me, sometimes discipline, if you think about it, it's like being called into the principal's office back when they used to do that. I, you know, I got my last paddling in, high, in, in school when I was a senior in high school at 18 years old. I got three licks across the back of my, by, by a female teacher And it was the worst paddling I ever got. And here's the thing. I deserved it. (laughs) And I'm not sure it was discipline. I think it was punishment. So sometimes when we hear the word discipline, we think of it more along that line. Like God's just trying to smack us down. Now, can God smack you down? Well, all you got to do is read Scripture. He can't smack you down, okay? But my point is, that's not what we're talking about here. Matter of fact, I think discipline always, when it's done in discipline there's always a greater end in mind. It's not just about right now. It's about someday. It's about who you're becoming. For instance, when you're raising kids, we have four, and they're they're basically three years apart, and what was required of Sidney and Allie as the two oldest ones were not the same thing as required of Colton at three. It was required of them at 12. It just wasn't. Now, we had the same rules, we had, but they were applied different. They were applied where they were at the time. But a 12-year-old shouldn't be doing what a 3-year-old is still doing. And an 18-year-old, still shouldn't, they shouldn't be doing what a 12-year-old is doing. And that's part of our responsibility is to help discipline them and correct them. And really, the word discipline, there, when we're talking about here, it's really talking more about God than it is about you in this passage of Scripture. Because the word there, in, specifically in that passage of Scripture, is talking about the instructor. And I love the way it, it, it says, if I can find it here, the definition. Uh, Where would I go with it? One who constructively corrects in order to train. The one who constructively corrects in order to train. Now, my kids know, and you've, I think I've probably said it here before, I'll never write a book on parenting. might write a chapter, not a book, okay? But one of the things we did was if they got disciplined, one of the things they had to do after they had their whatever, call it punishment or whatever their time out or whatever it might be, they had to sit down with me and explain why. Why did you get in trouble? And I would push them, partly critical thinking, But part of it is they need to know why. So much of life is about why. So much of life, if we're not careful, we go, yeah, I do that. Why do you do that? I don't really know. We've just been doing it. I want my kids to ask why. I think questions are healthy. I think questions about our faith are healthy. Because if I believe something, I don't really understand why I believe that, then maybe, just maybe, I need to go figure that out. There's a point, there's faith, and we'll talk about that in a few weeks, but but so often, when it comes to discipline, and Hebrews 12, 11 says it, and it says, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace, and peace. Don't miss that, not just righteousness, but in peace for those who have been trained by it. Last week, I used an illustration because I was reading Luke 6, 45. It says, a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. The illustration I shared with you last week is from a distance. This pitcher of water seems reasonably clear. I know you can get up close to it, but it seems reasonably clear. But then you stick the spoon in and begin to stir it. And you go, wow, there was something else in there. Wow, didn't see that from a distance. here's the thing. The issue here is not the spoon, the circumstance. The issue is what was already still at the bottom of your heart. That's the issue. And what happens is our loving God sends spoons into our life, allows spoons to happen in our life. Because the goal here is holiness. The goal here is Christ's likeness. The goal here, we read it earlier, the goal here is holiness. It's for your good. It's for that reason. And so when God brings a spoon to stir up what's there that needs to be dealt with, we often blame the spoon. Pruning. Discipline. What's so awesome is God exposes our idols. He exposes our sin. He exposes those things that cannot stay there and us move forward. We're actually capped right there. The reason why it's hard from pruning and discipline is because often we feel capped in both places. We're in that land in between. So we've got to be able to discern and ask and plead with God, show me, God. If you've taken inventory, then you're probably in a pruning season. And pruning usually means loss. They'll often focus on the spoon. What's so awesome is we Serve a God who loves us. That's why we're being disciplined, who sees something in us. You know, the enemy likes to do this, say, yeah, you've blown it this time. You ain't never getting back on track. He whispers that. But God says, come on home. Let's deal with this. I'm sure you may stumble again. Don't give up. What's our phrase Don't give up. Get up. Start walking again. Don't give up. Get up. Don't give up get up, let's go, let's admit it, let's see what it is, don't stumble over it again, let's get up, let's go. But then there's self-discipline. i just say this, self discipline is actually preferred from discipline, in my opinion. I'd rather God reveal it to me in a much kinder way sometimes in his word, in prayer, through people I'm hanging out with that are willing to hold me accountable, to to call it out, to speak it out. Where I intentionally hang out with people who are going the same direction I am, which is chasing after God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, or at least that's what I'm saying. I'm hoping that's where I'll be. That's who I want to hang out with because I believe those people will go, that's what you said, so I'm going to hold you accountable to it. I mean, the word... And the word speaks to me. I'm in prayer. I'm listening. I'm I'm letting the the worship wash over me. May not be your deal, but it definitely is mine. In the midst of that worship music and stuff washing over me, just even here today, there's things that the Lord starts bringing to my mind. Alone time, meditating, making it a discipline to set time aside, whether it's prayer or for me, often it's me hiking by myself. But the root word of discipline is disciple. And so often when we hear the word disciple, we think of more, I think most of us in the church think they're a follower of Jesus. And I'm not gonna tell you you're wrong in that, except I will say this. A disciple is a student of Jesus who follows him. It's someone who's learning Who's someone who's being trained? It's not someone who just follows. I think we can read in the New Testament, Jesus had a lot of disciples follow him, and many of them walked away. Look at John 6. But you're being a student of Jesus, a student. You're learning. You've got to be in the Word. You've got to be around people who are, who are trying to live it out also. You've got to be a student of Jesus and then apply it. I've said this over and over here. I'd rather, I think I was some, in some ways my first, and I didn't know what the first book of the Bible was and I came to know Christ at 27 years old. Many of you know that. But I will say this, within the first year, I believe I was more mature than some people have been following after Christ 20 years. And the reason is because what I was learning, I was trying to apply. Your longevity in church does not make you more mature in itself. It's what you're doing with what you're learning, and you're applying it to your life. That tells you how mature you are. It doesn't matter how many gifts you have. And God gives them as he sees fit. But if you want to measure it, just go read the fruit of the Spirit. And that'll tell you where you are. And it's not just, oh, I want two of those. I don't want all, all 12 of them. I just want two. No, it's all 12. <laughs> and you should be growing. You're growing. You'll be growing at different paces at different times. But it's all of them. One of the big things for me in discipline, let me go back to the word here, persevere. And people quit things all day, every day. Start stuff, quit it, start stuff, quit it, start stuff, quit it. Persevere is the opposite of quit. Grit, have grit. The ability to overcome obstacles small and large because of what God has done in your life. So often, a locus of control that uh, the whole concept of is, is my life really uh, c- controlled by what my ex- external things, what everybody else is doing, that's how my life is controlled. It's the HOA board, it's the IRS, it's somebody else is controlling my life, or is it internal? And the only external is God, and He's in me too, though. He's not just external, He's internal. You have to decide which one am I? Am I a person who's going to live life? Everything outside of me is what controls my life, or what God has done in my life is going to control where I'm headed? That's a discipline. For some of you, you may not be able to remember the last time you persevered on anything. Well, I keep going to church. Yeah, but it's because you want to. When was the last time you persevered and had grit on something you no longer wanted to do, but you pushed through because the hurdle didn't stop you? Because I'm going to tell you this, everybody has a reason to quit. Don't be looking at my life and go, well, you, Kurt, you got that, you got that. Everybody has a reason to quit. Labor Day 2021 started two months, almost three months of my life where I lost 20, almost 30 pounds. And I'll be honest with you, in the middle of that, I never considered suicide, but I, it wouldn't have bothered me if I didn't live any longer. I was still a pastor, I'm still preaching each week for the most part. Everybody has a reason to quit. Everybody. So you need to put that aside and go, I don't know of anybody that can use that excuse to quit. And you need to build in self-perseverance. One of the things I've built back into my life is is I try to do things. I mean, it's like push-ups. You know the two most important push-ups, and I do do them regularly. I do them before I come in here. Part of it is to get rid of some of this energy, and you go, well, you should have done some more this morning. (laughs) Okay, probably should have done about another 50. But part of it is to try to get rid of energy and not be too hyped up when I'm in here. The two most important push ups are the first one and the last one. Will I start and how far will I push myself? I hike. I used to play basketball. I'd compete against other players. Well, I don't play that as much, and I hope to someday get back into that. But one of the things I do is hike, and I want to show the pictures here. I did a this week. Now, this is pictures from a few years ago because the sun was shining on Monday. I mean, the sun wasn't shining Monday. But, were those who've done, go back, go back to the other one, go back to the other one. But, but the summit trail, how many done the summit trail? Okay, you've done the summit trail. The summit trail is extremely difficult, black, two black, double black diamond here in the valley, one of the hardest ones here in the valley. And one of the things is, is when you get to the top of it, I, I try to make it in 30 minutes up, up to the top, not breaking any records, but I try not to let anybody pass me. That's my deal. That's my goal. Is nobody past me, okay? And, but that, and it's also without stopping. So you just go and don't stop. You get slow, but don't stop. But the worst part is when you get to the top. If you've ever done it, it's just like, go ahead, next slide. It is, when you get to the top, it is just almost straight up. It's about 100 steps of stair stepper. So you've done 29 minutes at this point of going hard, and it's, it's like a stair climber all the way up, the summit. And you get to the top, and it's this right here. That's your reward for getting close to the top. But the summit's at the top of it. I want to go to the summit. And I've said to you before, one of my desires, and it's the reason I discipline myself in this, is to be able to go places you can, only get, you can only see by hiking. And that's one of my desires, and I hope I can do as long as I can. But my point is this. i want to ask you this. Have you built in anything in your life where you have to have grit? I'm not talking about the things that happen to you. How are you building that muscle? Because we want an ethos of this self-discipline. That's, by the way, part of the fruit if you'll go look at it. Built in to go, I need, I need to, I'm going to start doing five push-ups. I'm not saying, by the way, let me say this. Check with your doctor first. Just want to give her that. Whatever you're needing to do. Okay. Get myself off liability medically. I think the board said amen to that. Okay. Whatever it is, my point is this. You need to be finding things, whatever your circumstance, that cause you to go past where you thought you could. Build that muscle. It's a spontaneous, reoccurring pattern ethos. It's the ethos of your life. Ours here, our desire is to be Christ-like. That should be our spontaneous, reoccurring pattern. But it takes a lifetime, and you still won't reach it fully. But I wanted to share with you: if you're in these circumstances, you're in these windows of time. I'm going to give you a list here, real quick. I'm going to go through them fast. If you want to take a picture of me, if they're helpful, I shared them a few years ago when I was talking about anxiety. We, we did a three-part series on anxiety. Dr. Dan, alley and I did, and you can go back and listen to that. I think it's October 2019, maybe it was somewhere in there. If you want to listen to that, uh, and, and and it's these things. One I said last week: don't retreat, refocus. Okay, so here we go. Am I moving forward in God's purpose for my life? Because I'm going to tell you right now, the enemy's going to whisper that you've missed it. And I'll tell you that on top of that, I think the enemy often knows more about your purpose and your potential than you do. Am I daily engaging spiritual disciplines or disciplines at all? Am I engaging them? And we can talk more about that in another different study, but just start out in prayer and in the Word and meditating. Just being quiet before the Lord. Am I well hydrated? You think, well, how did that get up there? Because you live in Arizona. I'm going to tell you, that has so much to do with even anxiety. If you're dealing with anxiety a lot, pump the water. And your urine should look like a post-it note, yellow post-it note. (laughs) More information you need to say, hey, I came to church today. Guess what I learned? It may be valued to you more than some other things I told you today. But you need to be looking because you're disciplined. What and when am I eating? I'll let you deal with that. Am I breathing? Of course, Kurt, I'm here today. You know what I mean by that. I told Jan this morning, because I, I, I was getting ready to preach, I said, I am not breathing right now. It's about right there. Every breath's about right there. It's not going down. It's just about right there. Next slide. How much sun am I getting? I don't care. Most all of us can get that better before 10 o'clock in the morning if you can but you need to be getting some sun in my opinion ask your doctor okay how am i sleeping probably one of my biggest challenges the rest of them i can control that's the one i almost can't control sometimes that's one of the hardest but when your mind's running a thousand miles an hour it gets in trouble okay and am i moving am i exercising am i doing things each day i don't care if it's doing 10 squats ask your doctor 10 squats I don't care if you do 10 now, 10 mid-afternoon, 10 tonight. Do something. Move. It does something chemically for one thing, but it also, I'm telling you, the Lord built that in. You go, well, I read that on a blog. No, the Lord built it in. (laughs) Come on now. Give me a break. It's how you're designed. Am I recycling? I don't mean the blue bins. Is your past wearing you out? Are you taking circumstances and running them over and over and, over and over and over and over and over and over and over in your mind? And it's destroying you. It's capped you. You're stopped. You're not going any further. I'll just tell you right, you're not moving any further. By the authority, I think I can say that. You're, you're stuck. You're trapped. I, you, need, you may need to get professional help. I don't know what all it is. But when you're recycling, that's what got me in trouble in 2021. I'll tell you, that it was just regret. And and I'll be honest with you, I think I've lived a pretty decent life, but somehow another regret got in my head, and I could not get it out. And the last one is, am I being honest? Why don't you pull your spoon out? I'll ask Josiah and, and the band to come back up if they would, Please. Back to discipline. Remember, the spoon only reveals. But I brought the spoon today. One, and no, somebody asked me earlier, did you whittle all those? I did not. (laughs) Give me a cabin and a back porch. I might whittle some of these, but not right now. But I wanted them to look as close to this as we could you can write on this just wondering but some percentage of you some of you are gonna throw it away or just leave it in the back we'll do something else with it when you leave whatever it is don't throw it away but for some of you it's time to write something on here and what that is is this spoon It's not about the spoon, what's my spoon, what's my circumstance, even though you can say that, but what is my circumstance revealing is what this is for. Lay it on your desk. Lay it on the vanity in your bathroom. Put it in your Bible. Oh, Lord, I'm stuck. I've been blaming the spoons Lord, you've been using the spoons to get me somewhere I couldn't get without the spoon because you love me, because you see something in me. You tell me it's for my good. Yes, it's painful, but you tell me for my good. Here's the deal. It's painful both ways. If you're there, it's painful. Why not get what you're supposed to get out of it? (laughs) I'm going to ask the guys to sing Make Room again. You can write on it. You can leave it in the back as you leave. I'm going to ask you to stand now. there's something else I think you might could do with it. It Takes a little more courage in this sense, to some degree, is that you may step out on that aisle and come and lay it down on an altar. It's time. It keeps coming up, different versions, but it keeps coming up over and over. Lord, I'm laying it down. I'm just laying it down. Lord, we come before you right now, knowing that when we step up here to to lead from the front each week, we have really, for the most part, we don't know who's going to be in the room, so we don't design a sermon to, to speak to a certain person. But, Lord, we trust you that what we've tried to work on and what we believe you're showing us, your spirit goes before us. You cause people to come here. You cause their hearts to be open. You cause the application to be lined up with righteousness. And, Lord, one, I bind the enemy right now in the name of Jesus, the name above all names, or whispering that somehow or another, this didn't apply to you. I'm sure glad somebody else was here today. But Lord, I just pray for right now, we all apply it to ourselves. Lord, if it's pruning season, that's awesome. It's hard, but you're removing something that just is not going to be helpful for where you want to get us to. But Lord, we may be in a discipline season. And that may be because we've got something there that we're, it's an idol. We've harbored it. We're we're protecting it. It could even be a stronghold. Lord, reveal that. And let me be honest. And Lord, to be a person of self-control and self-discipline. And Lord, I know, you know, I confess that to you. Sometimes I am just not. Most of the time, the things I want to do, I I wish I was better at. But, Lord, what I've got to come to the conclusion is the circumstances is not what's driving that. I have to choose with your help that inside of me, I'm going to begin to walk this out. So, Lord, help us today. We could be in all those, I guess, Lord, but probably just in one at this season. Help us, Lord, right now. we will be obedient to what you've asked. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. As we sing, if you feel led to, please come.